I want to talk to you today about dangerous desires. You ever desire to have something, and when you got it, it got you in trouble? You ever desire to have something, and when you got it, it left you empty? It, like, didn't do what it was supposed to do? Like, you had, I mean, come on, you know what I'm talking about. When you're desiring, you're almost lusting after something, and then when you finally get it and you thought it was going to be this way, and then it really just left you hanging. It's kind of like a new restaurant, maybe going to try a new restaurant. I don't try new restaurants. I let other people do that. I'm not a good guinea pig, right? So, so if somebody blows up a restaurant and says, man, this thing is awesome. It's incredible. Well, then my desire is to go. And I, there's only certain people I trust because I've had people tell me restaurants are good. And I go to them and I'm disappointed. So in my mind, in my files, in my mind, I go, I don't ever trust what that person says about food. Come on, y'all don't do that? Do y'all eat? Okay, all right. Just want to make sure. I mean, like you don't think about what you're going to You don't process You don't have a file? Good food, bad food, good. Anyway. I want to talk to you about dangerous desires. Look, at, look with me at Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 7. Jesus is wrestling with some religious folks, him and his disciples. His disciples actually got in trouble because they didn't do some religious things that the religious folks thought they should have done before they ate, and they brought up the religious people just kind of raised this big old havoc about it, and Jesus steps in, and he kind of just sets them all straight. And then and we pick the story up in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 17. It says this. It says, when he had entered the house and left the people... His disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Good question, right? Are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Did you catch that? Do you see that it's not what comes in from the outside that defiles him? Since it enters, lost my spot. Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Some translations say it goes on to the sewer. <laughs> I love the Bible. Thus he declared that all foods are clean. <laughs> Watch this. You can eat pork. <laughs> Come on. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Did you catch that? It's not what goes into a person that defiles them. It's what comes out of them that defiles them. That means that there's something inside that if allowed out can defile you. For from within, out of the heart of a man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. That's a list. Come on, somebody. Man, all these things come from within and they defile a person. 
So the religious people were trying to tell Jesus' disciples that you got to look good on the outside. You got to do everything right on the outside. You got to speak Christianese. You got to dress a certain way. You got to act a certain way when other people are watching. And you got to not do this and not do that. I was raised in that kind of environment. People told me more of what I couldn't do and less of what I could do. It was a religious environment. Don't do anything on the outside. Just take care of the outside. I wish somebody would have told me when I was a teenager to look into your heart, son. See what's inside. Because Jesus is saying that whatever's inside, when it comes out, is what defiles you. And then he gives an exhaustive list. Jesus is really clarifying where defilement comes from. The religious folks were looking at external things. Jesus is always looking internal. Can, can, I, can you just grab this this morning? The external is just a representation of the internal. We don't work from the outside in. We work from the inside out. That's how God moves. That's how God deals with us. So Jesus shows them that defilement comes from within not from outside. So today I want to pick out one of these that I feel like God wanted me to talk about today. I was like, man, God, that's a, that's a lot of things to talk about in one sermon. <laughs> that's, a, that's a list. I'm like, I ain't going to get no time to preach, God. It's just going to be read the Bible. He said, I want you to speak on coveting today. And I think the reason he wants me to speak on coveting today is because once we get done with this, I hope that you understand what it means to covet, but also understand the danger of coveting, also understand how it tears up relationships, and it'll cancel you out of your ministry opportunities also. Because I believe we live in a world today where too many Christians are coveting worldly things and missing out on godly things. We're missing out on the mission and the purpose of God because we're too busy chasing things on the outside. So, to covet is to wish for earnestly, to desire that, to desire what belongs to someone else. To wish for earnestly and to desire what belongs to another. So watch this, God created us to desire. So there's nothing wrong with desire. How many of you know when you're desiring something? Like if you would be at the second service, by the time the second service ends, you would be desiring something to eat, right? <laughs> and if I go along, it's a real strong desire by the time you leave church. But God gave us this ability to desire, and it was God's doing. Some desires come from our needs. How I many of you desire food or rest or safety or security, right? It comes from our needs. Those are some of the things that we need. Then, then sometimes desires come from our wants. How many of you got a few wants? Come on, be honest. You're in church this morning. You got some wants. Maybe it's something trendy or maybe it's something a little bit excessive. You don't need it, but you'd sure like to have it. Come on, somebody. Your desires can come from your needs or your wants, Here's the truth. God gives us the ability to distinguish between our wants and our needs. We're grown adults now, aren't we? 
Okay, you didn't answer. <laughs> I'm getting really curious. I'm about to bring Cheryl in here. To... He gave us the ability to distinguish between wants and needs. So you know what is a real need and what is a real want. But what do we do? Come on, we, we ain't no different than them kids in children's church, right? We're trying to convince God that our wants are our needs. Right? I need it. You ever see the cute little kid at the line at Walmart with the candy right there, all that demonic candy that makes your kids go crazy? And they're like, Daddy, I need it. Sometimes that doesn't change in us adults, right? Come on. But here's something about your wants and your needs that you need to understand today. They're both telling you something. Your wants and your needs are telling you that within yourself, you're not self-sufficient. You need some provision. If you have a need, you have, you have a need for provision. If you have some wants, you need something that is provided for you. So you're not self-sufficient. So, so, so it, it's, it's, a, it's an understanding that I am not my own God. I am not my own source. I can't satisfy all my own desires. I am in need of provision. And, when, and we require provision of these things, and then when we receive it, watch this, we find pleasure in it. That's why you keep going back to your favorite restaurant. Right? Why do you go back? Because the food's good consistently. I'm going to give you some, some of you a free lesson in restaurant picking. Like, like there's a few restaurants we just go, they, they just go to. So you don't even have to think about it. You just go. You just go, you go, you go. Why do you go? Because every time you go, it's good. Right? And you go back. Why? Because it's good. And you just want to meet the chef and shake his or her hand, give him a hug, give him your cell number or something. You're like, <laughs> you go back because it's good, so you take pleasure in it, right? So, so example, when you're hungry or slash hangry, you have a desire to fill a need, right? So you need some provision. You don't have food inside of you, so you have to go and get some provision, right? And when you finally get that provision and everybody's grateful because you're finally going to eat something and quit being angry, as you're eating it, it starts to bring pleasure to you, right? It brings pleasure to you. It starts to satisfy you. <laughs> if I get hangry, you got to give me about 15 minutes into the summer, whatever I'm eating, because it takes me a little while to kind of settle down. Come on, somebody. Like, hangry just don't walk away. <laughs> it's got to be chewed away. But you, you take pleasure in that, right? The same could be said for rest, for peace, for healing. <clears throat> Watch this. God designed us to have needs and wants. Pay attention. To draw us to him. Your needs and your wants, when those desires come up, that desire is a, is a draw to God. That's why God gives us needs and wants. You see it? So that we will go to him. We will draw near to him. We will come to him as provider, as sustainer. Is this making sense? Because life would be really tormenting if you couldn't satisfy your desires, right? It's kind of like during the fast. We fasted sweets. You know what I want? 
Sweets. You know what's not in my pantry? Sweets. I'm living tormented because I can't fulfill my desire. We had somebody brought us a king cake right in the middle of the fast. Just brought a king cake. Didn't even ask permission. Just brought a king cake to the house and we're like, oh. Anna was the smartest one in the house. She heard and grabbed a, a kitchen towel and threw it over the top of it. And the next day we dropped it off at somebody else's house. We were tormented. Do you know that satisfaction of your desires is what comes before worship? You know when God meets a need or, or God fills you up or God brings somebody into your life and it's like a well of fresh water, you know that's the beginning of worship? That's when we start to look to God and go, wow, God, thank you. Here's another truth. We also know when something's from God and something's from us. So when needs and wants are met, we worship the source. Trust gets established and we return to that source as our desires arise. This is the intentions of of being born again. These are, these are the intentions of, you ever, you ever wonder why when somebody's born again, it's like they're on fire? We used to say they're like, they, they got faith for a parking spot at Walmart, right? Like, like somebody gets born again, and they're just, they're just passionate, they're on fire. Why? Because they received some provision that they weren't getting before. Here's the problem. When we don't take that understanding and turn it into God is your source, God is your provider, God is your sustainer, then those desires go to other things. But the goal is to get trust established. To get trust established. Do we trust God? So he designed us with needs and wants to draw us to him as, his, as our provider and our sustainer. And when he provides and he sustains, we celebrate him. But there's a problem. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes we can't determine the difference between our wants and our needs. And then we start to go out to outside sources and we get ourselves in trouble. Then sin comes and corrupts our God-given desires and makes us believe that our desires can be satisfied apart from him. And the result is, is we run after worldly things. Do you pay attention to yourself enough to know when you're chasing after worldly things and when you're not? Are you, are you paying attention to yourself? To recognize when you're chasing after something that somebody else has or something that the world has to offer and you know it's not God, but you're, are you aware? Because we all do it. Some way, shape, or form, we all do it. We all chase some kind of an outside source apart from God. Here's the problem. 
When we seek after fulfillment apart from God, we sever the relationship between provider and provision. So if God is provider and sustainer, and that's how we understand him, that means that he has all provision, right? So if he's provider, like if that's our relationship with him, that's how we see him, that's how we know him, as the provider. That means he has the provision. If we seek provision apart from God, we sever the relationship between provider and provision. In other words, God is no longer my provider. He can provide, but I can too. And if he don't provide fast enough, I'm going to go provide for myself. And what we do, instead of worshiping God and keeping God in his rightful place, we put provision as a God because we put its needs and our needs for provision over our need for a provider. Does that make sense? So before we assign coveting to one specific desire like your neighbor's new lawnmower, let's answer some questions first. If you need a new lawnmower, go see Josh. He'll, he'll get you a good lawnmower. See that, bro? Do your plug. <clears throat> or see Taylor. She makes better deals. <laughs> and she's easier to talk to. And she's not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you with me so far? Yes. Okay. Can y'all speak? Help a brother out. Throw him a bone or something. I mean, dear goodness. Is covet, so let's answer some questions. Is coveting dangerous? You better believe it's dangerous. Oh, man, it's dangerous. Listen to Exodus chapter 20. It says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. You must not. But we don't like that, huh? Our kids don't like it when we tell them you must not do this. But boy, when we grow up, we still don't like that, do we? We don't like it when the word tells us you must not. Some of y'all won't read your Bible because it got too many you must nots in there. <laughs> I don't want to hear that today. <laughs> we have to understand that when God commands us to stay away from something, it is for our good. It's to keep us from harm. God's, God only wants to be good to us. We are his children. He loves us. He gave his firstborn to us, right, as a sacrifice so that we could be restored into a relationship. He only has good for us. Sometimes that good is when he says no. Sometimes the good is when he says not yet. You're a good parent, not just because you give your kids everything they want. You're a good parent because you can decipher when, when that want is going to hurt them and when it's not. For instance, six, seven, and eight-year-olds walking around with a, an iPhone. Can I just ask why? They're not traveling. They're not driving. They're not going cross country. What you really did is you just put the whole world in their palm and they're not responsible enough to manage that. 
And so now we got kids being exposed to porn at seven years old. And as parents, we're going, I don't know what's going on with my kids. You're not loving them. Because a good parent will say no to keep them from harm. God tells us no sometimes to keep us from harm, not to keep anything good from us. He's keeping you from something harmful, not from something good. God doesn't like it when we run to things to find satisfaction apart from him. Because those things will only disappoint, distract, and destroy us. You have have to nail this down today. That God's commands for me are truly good. They're worthy and they're satisfying. Because they're from him. If they're from anything else, they're just a cheap imitation of his. They're a knockoff. The devil's been trying to knock off what God does since it all began. With cheap imitations, offering you something that is shiny and you think looks good and everybody's got it. So that you will compromise your relationship with the provider to go and get it. And in doing so, he pulls you apart from God. So, coveting is more than just a simple struggle with materialism. Coveting is inside. It's it's found inside of you. Coveting is directly tied to our wants. It's a corruption of what God has intended, what God intended to draw us to him. It's a corruption of that thing. Like I said, when we covet, we settle for something much less. Do you know it's worth waiting for God? It is so worth waiting on God to provide other than going and finding provision for myself. But it gets twisted sometimes, doesn't it? And the enemy likes to get all up in the middle of that. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Think about it. They had the whole flipping garden. They fell on one tree. Tell me the enemy's not good at what he does. And tell me we don't have some stuff inside of us that needs to be worked on. Satan wants to break your trust with God. That's what he's after. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, he says, And our own completeness is found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Did you catch that? Our own completeness is found in Christ. You'll never find it anywhere else. 
What God designed can never do what God can do. You catch that? All these worldly things, all these things that are out there outside of your relationship with God that God designed can never do what only God can do. So, so you got to get this. In Christ, we lack what? Nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. That means that everything you need is found in him. When it comes to pornography, G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. He's not looking for another woman. His deepest desire is to find God. But it got twisted. It got manipulated. And now he's going to things that can never fulfill him, only destroy him, looking for God. So it's coveting dangerous. Yes, it is. Question, what are you striving for if you're lacking nothing? Why are you overreaching if you lack nothing in Christ? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he says, for that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these things, all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Chase after God, not after the things. Here's the problem. This is where we're at today. Too many Christians in this church and outside this church and throughout the globe, from what I can see, too many Christians are too busy chasing things and not chasing God. When the word clearly says, if you'll chase me, I'll make sure you got all these less important things. When he flips the script from the world. The world says you got to go climb the ladder. you got to go get it for yourself. you got to kick, scream, and holler, and cheat, and steal to get, to get ahead. God says, no. Chase after me. I'll get you ahead. So we don't chase after the same things as unbelievers chase after. Why? Because we have a provider that gives them to us. Why chase something and strive to get something that's given to you freely? Psalms chapter 16 says this, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. You will show me the way of life. Here comes the trust issue. Can we trust God to show us the weight of life or not? Or are we kind of in this co-partnership with God? Like when I don't know what to do, God, I'll come and talk to you and you can give me some directions. What? You're basically asking God to let me run freely and get off course. And then I, when I need you to pull me back in, you can pull me back in. You will show me the way of life. So why are we trying to find it ourselves? Second question, does coveting affect our relationships? <laughs> you better believe it. Romans chapter 13, verse 9. 
It says, for the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And every other commandment that can be summed up in these words Love your neighbor, love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. I think part of my verse disappeared. Sometimes that happens. Hello, technology. We're called to love and value others just as much as we love and value ourselves, right? Can I get a little bit of air? I'm like, I'm dying up here. Hopefully you're not too cold. So we might start thinking that coveting only affects us. The truth is, that's wrong. Coveting affects everyone around us. Just like all sin, coveting disrupts our relationships and how we see people. Let me prove it to you. Social media. You, you want to know the basic reason why social media is so big? Because people are nosy. Let's just, let, can I just say it? Can I just throw it out in the middle of the room? People are flipping nosy. There's some nosy people. I'm nosy. That's the only reason. I don't post nothing on Facebook. I'm just nosy. Feels good. A little confession off my chest. Pray for me. Let me give you an example. This year we went on vacation. We didn't take a vacation when we normally do because of all the COVID mess and I didn't want to deal with it. And so finally when we kind of let COVID settle down, I was like, okay, let's go on vacation. So, so Cheryl does an incredible job of picking vacation places. And she found us this nice log cabin in Arkansas on the river, a beautiful river. It was crystal clear. I mean, this was a brand new log cabin. Come on. It just makes... <sighs> And so we planned this trip. We didn't want to do too much. We didn't want to get too crazy. We wanted to rest and relax and just, just kind of uh, maybe get a little reset. And that was our goal going into this vacation. And so we did, man. We went, and we're having a great time. One, one day we, we rode into Hot Springs, and we went uh, hiking through the, through the mountains. That was good. I made it. I didn't die. Come on, somebody. Yeah, even though it was the, you know, beginner's trail. Uh, <laughs> but, but we're on vacation and, and I wasn't fasting social media at the time and, and I'm sitting down in the cabin, this beautiful cabin, having a great time with my incredible family and I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see some friends of mine that went on vacation. Also, they went to Wyoming. I was like, Wyoming? What the heck's in Wyoming? There ain't nothing in Wyoming until I clicked on his pictures. And I'm like, wow, Wyoming's cool. They're riding snowmobiles. They're doing all this. He's got like 14, 15 pictures on his post. I'm like, golly. And we're not the type of people that post all of our business, so we just look at everybody else's. <laughs> God, that's bad. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Y'all do it too. Uh, so so I'm, I'm looking at his post, and I'm, I'm going through it. And watch this. All of a sudden, something changed in my heart. I was having a good time. I remember sitting down in front of this incredible stone fireplace with a fire burning, thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus. This is so good. Man, you knew I wanted to be in a cabin like this. 
and I'm just resting and then I'm scrolling and I see somebody else having a good time and I tap on the pictures and I'm looking at the pictures and that's a cool looking snowmobile. I never rode a snowmobile before. All of his kids are laughing. They're happy, huh? I'm serious. Something flipped in my heart. All of a sudden, the pleasure I was finding from God providing this vacation for us started to get dissatisfied and something got just kind of dark inside of me. I started to lose my peace. I started to lose my rest. I started to feel myself kind of tightening up on the inside because I was coveting. I was coveting somebody else's vacation the same time I'm having a vacation. So watch this. This is a lesson. I had to check myself. (laughs) That's why I was saying earlier, do you pay attention to yourself enough to know? You know what I had to do? I had to repent. First, I had to confess, God, I'm sorry that I've, I've become dissatisfied with, this, with the vacation we're on because I've been looking at my friend's vacation. God, please forgive me. And I repented. How did you repent? I skipped over his post from there on. <laughs> I didn't see it. No, man, I'm joking. I repented. I changed my attitude, right? But watch this. If I would have just left it alone, it would have still been bothering me. It would have still been festering inside. When it's not called, you don't leave sin alone. You kill sin. You deal with it. You don't learn to live with it. You got to deal with it. You got to bring it before the Father. You got to make a confession so that he forgives us. Watch this. And then he cleanses us. If you don't make the confession, you don't get the cleansing. I changed my attitude. But you know where I was headed? I was headed to disgruntle. I was headed to dissatisfaction. You know what that would have done for me? That would have made me irritated. It would have made me aggravated. It would have made me feel like we don't have enough. It would have made me strive harder. It would have made me change the whole vision for our, our vacation. If I would have left it alone. Does that, does that help? Does that make sense? Pray for me. I need some help. Watch this. This is a real problem with marriage today. It's a real problem with marriage today because too many people are watching somebody else's marriage and going, golly, he bought her flowers. They going on another date? They added on to their house? He got a promotion? I wish my husband would get a promotion. Same scenario. It leads you to dissatisfaction. Watch this. With the spouse God gave you. With the one he designed to be with you. (laughs) You you think it looks good on social media? Bro, let me give you a little insight. It ain't that good. People only post the good stuff. And sometimes they make it up. Sometimes they fighting like a cat and a dog. And say, all right, let's take a selfie. All right, selfie time. Let's go selfie. And they go, everybody smile. (laughs) 
and we're falling in love with that? Let me tell you what you're doing. You're settling for something less. Cheap imitation. Cheap knockoff. I lost my place. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to celebrate other people. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to celebrate other people. When your friend gets a promotion, don't be jealous. Celebrate. When they get a major breakthrough in their marriage, celebrate that. Don't be jealous. Don't be coveting what they have. Right? Celebrate it. Watch this. If I would dare say today, if you have difficulty celebrating other people, you got some problems internally that really need some attention. If you can't celebrate somebody else, come on, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about on the outside. I'm not talking about, oh, this person's good, this person, I'm talking about on the inside. Long before it gets to the outside, when you, when you see somebody else, they get a little victory, they get something, if you can't celebrate that from your heart, you need to check yourself. Because there's a problem. There's a problem. And you are responsible to go and deal with that problem. How do you deal with it? You bring it before the Father. Amen? So we, when we covet, our attention turns from people's divine purpose to their possessions and their position. When we covet. Just because something was good for them doesn't mean it's good for you. God wanted them to have that, not you. Why? Because he's got something else for you. All right. So we get distracted with their talents, their opportunities, their stuff. And listen, don't be blind. Your thoughts affect your actions and your words. So if you're looking at something and your thoughts are jealous, eventually your words and your actions are going to be jealous. Amen? So Proverbs 4.23, it says it this way. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there, your innermost being, flows the wellspring of life. The scriptures are screaming at us today. Pay attention to your insides. Guard them. Too many people are living with the gates wide open, paying no attention to their heart. When those feelings come up, those thoughts come up, they're not doing anything about it. Guard it. Why? Because the wellspring of life flows from there. Are you seeing this? So it's a big trick. (laughs) Covetousness tricks our minds into believing that we are personally responsible for our own provision. It gives us authority. It gives authority to our desires. How many of you would agree my desires have had too much authority? They're horrible leaders. They never know where they want to go. They're bipolar, ADHD, Soon as you think it wants this, it wants something else, right? Don't follow your desires. Don't give it too much authority. 
Because this is where sin finds its starting point. Watch this. Before we steal something, you know what we do? We covet it. Before we commit adultery, you know what we do? We covet them. It's where sin starts. So when sin manifests outwardly, it's an indication that attention wasn't given internally. So let me help you understand that. When you sin outwardly, when your actions or your words are sinful, it's an indication that attention was not paid to something internally. So you're not just, you don't want to just fix the outside, the action or the word. You want to invite God into your heart to change your heart. Is this making sense? Okay. That's like parenting 101. You, you can whip the outside and you can judge the outside, but what you really need to do is get on the inside. The goal is to get to your kid's heart. Amen? It's getting into the heart. I had this thought a couple of years ago. I got tired of repenting. You ever get tired of saying you're sorry? I mean, like, like I, I go to God for the same things. And I'm like, God, I'm a preacher. <laughs> I ain't supposed to. Anyway, self-image. Wow, I got tired of repenting for the same old things. You know what I started saying? God, how do I get on the front side of this thing? Like, how do I get proactive and not sin? Because it's hard work to repent. It's hard work to, to deal with some damage that you've already done, Right? Why, why can't we jump on the other side and say, you know what, I'm going to live proactively, which means this, I'm going to pay attention to my heart. I'm going to guard it above all else. And when something starts to bubble up, I'm going to deal with it right now before it comes outward and gets me in trouble and causes damage. You know, all adultery could have been dealt with before it became adultery. How? if somebody would have been paying attention to their heart. It's far from within, out of a man's heart, that defilement comes. When it's outside, it's too late. Not too late to turn around, it's too late to change what you just did. So third question, how do we fight it? You ask good questions. We have to understand that every sin is a manipulation of what began as good. Every sin is a manipulation of what began as good. Go back to the garden. Was the garden good? Was everything in the garden good? Every day when God finished creating something, what did he say? He sat down, he said, this is good. He didn't say there was anything bad in the garden, right? Everything in the garden was for good. So sin is the manipulation of what began as good. The enemy came in and manipulated them and turned it to bad. So many of the things that we covered are not necessarily bad. They can be used for God's glory. We've got to be careful as Christians right here because sometimes we'll justify our coveting in the name of it's going to bring God glory. Like I got to go get me a, a Ford F-350 crew cab, four-wheel drive, King Ranch. 
just in case I need to bring somebody to Walmart. In the name of Jesus, it's my ministry. I feel like I need to invest in my ministry. Come on, somebody. A desire for talent, a desire for experience, a nice home, family, relationships can be used for God's glory. They're not sinful in themselves. But God intends for all these things to stir our affections for him. Why do we have a hard time going to God for what we need or want? Why do we have a hard time waiting for him to bring it? You know, a good meal is not done in five minutes. You might ought to be checking something if it comes a little too quick and a little too easy. So, so like you can go buy you a McDonald's burger and set it in the cabinet and it might be there 10 years from now. Pretty much like you ordered it. A chicken tree grows fast. A live oak that can withstand a storm takes years and years to grow. Why are we so impatient? You know, when we get impatient and we stop waiting on God, we stop enjoying what he's already given to us. And we stop celebrating him as the giver. And then our gratitude turns towards the thing and not towards God. How do we fight it? We got to understand that we're supposed, we're called to be eternally minded, not worldly minded. Remember, the things of this world are passing away. The things of God are eternal. A couple of questions you need to answer for yourself. Is what I'm looking for, for my pleasure alone? Is this what God wants for me, or is it just my passion for something? Is this desire coming from a need or a want? So we've been made for more than this world can offer. Our great purpose in this world is to live in the likeness of God and to show people who God is. It's one of our purposes in the world today to walk in his likeness. Our desire should draw us to him and not away from him. We should find contentment in his presence and whatever comes from his hands, his hands. It's my responsibility to manage my desires. I can't blame anybody else. I can't blame the world. I can't blame social media. I can't blame Biden. I can't blame the left. I can't blame the right. I can't blame the middle. I can't blame nobody else but myself. I'm responsible to manage my own desires. And I need to take responsibility over them. And stop letting them run rampant. Amen? Listen to Psalms chapter 90 verse 14. Let the sun rise of your love in our dark night. Break through our clouded dawn again. Only you can satisfy our hearts. 
filling us with songs of joy to the end of our days. Listen to the writer. He must have been in a place where he provided for himself. He sought after provision away from God and he found himself empty and desperate and malnutritioned and malnourished and he found himself hurting and longing to come back and say, let the sunrise of your love end our dark night. You gotta have a dark night before you can ask for God's sunrise of love to come and end it, amen? Break through our clouded dawn again. Only you can satisfy our hearts, filling us with songs of joy to the end of our days. So watch this, last thing. True contentment and satisfaction doesn't bring glory to you it brings glory to God. Because true contentment and satisfaction says to the world around you that they don't need anything. Their needs are met. Their, some of their wants are met. They must have a pretty good provider. So I've got this friend. He's an older guy. He's one of the most content people I know. He used to make good money. And he's been tempted his whole life to chase after things. The reason I love this guy is because I can see God in his life. He's content. He's content. He's not swayed by what the world has to offer. He don't fall in love with shiny things. He's just content. And you know what I like about being around him is when I get around him, the peace and presence of God is on him. He's got time. He's available. He's never in a hurry. I think that's where God wants us to be today. Can I just tell some of you, calm down, chill out, breathe a little bit, stop trying to get it all right now. Instead, why don't you chase after the Father and let him provide you with all the lesser things? Can I tell you? That today we need to all repent and we need to all confess and we need to all put God back in his rightful place as our provider and our sustainer. Amen? Let's pray. thank you for today I thank you for this word I thank you that our completeness is found in Jesus and that in Christ we're lacking nothing God I don't think we fully understand that God I know that we wrestle with that 
I believe we all agree with that, but God, I think we wrestle to work that out, to walk that out to, in our daily lives, that, that everything I need is in Christ. I'm lacking nothing. God, help us to understand that. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me today. I've chased after the wrong things. I've given it too much of my energy, too much of my time, too much of the best of me while giving you the rest of me. God, help me today to overcome that. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see inside, I might feel inside when things that are sinful are trying to come out. And God, give me the strength. Give me the awareness. Give me the courage. Give me the understanding that if I'll deal with it now, it won't cause any damage. And God, help me today to wait on you. trust with you I'm sorry for not trusting you instead I trusted myself or others please forgive me please cleanse me and as I turn from this God would you give me grace God, I want to live proactive against sin, not reactive. Help me to live on the other side. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?